0: All right. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm Scott. I'm one of the pastors here, and I just add my welcome to you also. It's been such a pleasure to have uh, the corral with us, and we're going to get to hear from them one more time in just a moment. Uh, I think you probably also have inside your program today a little announcement about upcoming performance. Since you now see that date and you know about it, you might just want to give that uh, insert away to someone else and invite them and have just a big, great time here in a few weeks when the performance happens. I'm going to be doing a little talk here for just a few minutes from the New Testament book of Ephesians. And so if you have a Bible, you might want to look at that with me. We'll be in Ephesians chapter 3, and we'll be continuing a series of talks that I've been doing for a few weeks along with Pastor James about how following Christ has had everything provided for us that we need. We've been talking about it kind of like a smartphone that has apps for all kinds of uh, needs that you might have. Uh, God gives us everything. He gives us all kinds of apps, all kinds of applications in the person of Christ, in the work of his spirit, in the teaching of the scriptures. Uh, This past week, uh, you might have taken out your phone and uh, pressed the app for weather report just to see uh, what it was going to tell you. And uh, I know because uh, you're curious, how is it that we got all this snow this last week? Well, I'll put on my weatherman hat for just a moment. You see, when you have this polar cold air coming down, and you have some warmer air from uh, the Pacific coming in, and those things meet up, then they begin to kick out this precipitation that's of a frozen nature, and it's snow. And I say all that to say this. There are a number of things that happen in a similar way with respect to the faith. When God begins to interact with your heart, with your will, with the opportunities of your life in certain kinds of ways, it just bursts forth in what uh, we might call doxology, which is to say uh, the glory of God, the praise of God. And we want to talk about how that happens for just a few moments because uh, it's my sense today that God wants to meet with us in such a way that it's like that cold front and that warm front that hit each other and it produces something extraordinary. Something not seen just every ordinary day that is edifying and a blessing to you and a blessing to others and it exalts and it glorifies him. And so, uh, as I said, we're in Ephesians. We're looking at chapter 3, and we're going to pick it up at verse 14. And this is the Apostle Paul writing to a group of churches that are in the surrounding area of a major city 2,000 years ago called Ephesus. And uh, this is what he says, picking up at verse 14. So it's for this reason I bow my knees before the Father. So if you're visualizing, you've got the Apostle Paul, who has been instrumental in planting churches all over the ancient world. He's helped to plant the churches that are in Ephesus. It's been about five years, and he's now in prison. He's been arrested for proclaiming the faith in Christ and starting churches. And he has written this letter back to his friends in Ephesus to encourage them. And as he's encouraging them, he comes to this point in the letter and he says, So it's for this reason that I bow my knees before the Father. So when he says for this reason, that should make us ask a question. For what reason? Why would you bow your knees before the Father? Why are you entering into this prayer? And you have to back up just a few verses to get the answer to that. And it's found in verse 10 where he says, God is purposing to be so at work in you that he's going to accomplish his major glory work where he points the entire world to his greatness, to his magnificence so that people can come to him and receive redemption, receive salvation, receive help and hope for everyday living. He said, you are going to be a primary reason that people are going to be able to see me and find me because I'm going to display myself through you. And Paul, recognizing what a big, awesome thing God wants to do through you and through me, says, I'm going to hit my knees on that one. I've got to pray for you about that one. That's a big thing. It's like God's plan A to let the world know who he is and what he's like and the difference he can make is you. For people to be able to see him through you. Now, we're not going to do it today. We're going to do it over the next few weeks. But as you continue to thumb through these pages, you're going to see that one of the ways he's going to display himself through you is through your marriage. People are going to be able to look at your marriage in such a way they're going to go, I've got to know the God that blesses a marriage like that. He said, I'm going to to take hold of your parenting and your parenting and your family life in such a way that people are going to take note of God. He said, I'm going to be at work in you in, in such a way in your career, in your vocation, that people are going to see the way that you operate in your office or in your place of business. And they're going to go, there must be a God in heaven. I want to know who that God is. Do you understand what Paul's saying now? God is purposing to work through you in such a way the world's going to sit up and take notice of Him. Paul says, for this reason, I'm going to hit my knees and I'm going to pray for you. And here's his prayer. He says, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, when he just thinks of that, when he just prays those things, he breaks out into doxology. And listen to the final couple of verses. Verse 20, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Not unlike what we just sang. Now, you're going, what in the world did he just say? We're going to take just a couple of minutes and unpack it. Okay? Keep your Bible open. Look at the verses that we're going to be referring to so that you can see what we're talking about. Paul says that it's going to be according to the riches of his glory. That he is going to do something in you. What would that be and what will that look like? Well, he says in verse 16, it's going to look like such an inner work of his love, his grace, his power. It's going to transform you. It's going to change your life. It's going to make you radically different. So that your life begins to be lived more like the life of Christ. And no one ever lived life better than him. So he says, I'm going to be at work in you in such a way that's going to happen to you. It's going to transform you. How else can you explain a 70-something-year-old man who has lived all of his life for himself suddenly transforming from that into a selfless, Christ-centric, giving glorifying, worshiping kind of man. How else can you explain that kind of transaction taking place? This month marks a one-year anniversary since many of us in this room said goodbye to our friend, Russ Newman. He passed away a year ago this month. Russ Newman uh, was a faithful part of this church family for a number of years, but it wasn't always that way. Russ's uh, father was a longtime attorney in Seattle, Russ was also an attorney, practiced for almost all the years of his life, made a lot of money, blew a lot of money, uh, had all kinds of hobbies. He liked to sail, and he uh, he entered several races from here to Hawaii sailing. Uh, he was involved in all kinds of organizations. He sat on all kinds of boards. He held all kinds of offices and titles. Um, Russ was... Pretty successful-looking guy as far as the world measures success. He and I met in our Rotary Club. And uh, on numerous occasions, we would go off and have lunch together somewhere. And uh, he just really, along with talking about just normal life stuff, wanted to talk about God, talk about Jesus. And we'd have a conversation here, we'd have a conversation there. And on one occasion, uh, the conversation about Jesus and what Jesus could be to your life and in your life and through your life hit such a point, it was a tipping point. And I just asked him, Russ, is there any reason why you wouldn't be willing to give your life to Christ and follow Him with the rest of your days? He's like 73 at that point. And he said, no reason. I need to do that. And he did. And over the next several years, Russ just became immersed in the Scriptures. He loved to read the Bible. He was involved in all kinds of Bible studies. And with what was left of his health and his strength in his body, he loved to serve. I could give you story after story about the the projects that he would do around the church and the difference that he would make in the lives of people and helping them with this and with that. He... uh, Was as generous as his means allowed him to be generous. And he says, Scott, you just have to keep telling people. You just have to keep telling people. Don't wait as long as I waited to come to Christ. That's a transformation. From a pretty self-centered, self-made kind of guy to a selfless, Christ-centered. I want to see the glory of God happen in such a way that as many people as possible would come to know him. In the last week of his life, I went to visit him in Overlake Hospital, and I'm making my way down the hall to the uh, intensive care unit, and when I walk into his little space, and he always talked a little bit loud, uh, I could hear him as I was approaching, talking to his nurse about Jesus and about this church, and when I get out of here, why don't you come with me some someday? Russ was always telling something. why don't you come with me some Sunday? I'll tell you what, if you come with me some Sunday and you don't like it, I'll give you $50. <laughs> he said, you know what, Scotty? I've never had to give anybody $50. <laughs> See, that's that kind of transformation thing that Paul says God's going to do in you. And then he says, according to the riches of His glory, according to all that God can do, He's going to root you and ground you. Now that's a mixing of two different metaphors that basically you're getting at the same idea. Like a tree that's got deep, deep roots so that it can uh, spread its branches way, way up and withstand the storms that come. That's what Paul says God's going to do in you. Like a, a house that has had this foundation built on rock not sand, not on some kind of uh, muddy thing that can slide away, but can stand firm in the tumult of life. That's what God's going to do in your life. Now, friend, if you've not had storms, if you've not had you know, this kind of blistering tumult that can happen in our lives, the bad news is you will. And some of you have already been there, and you've been there in you know, It's like it's either going to be you, or it's going to be your spouse, or it's going to be your child, or it's going to be your parent. Someday you're going to walk into a hospital and they're all going to be hooked up to some kind of machine. There'll be life and death issues that are going on. And if you've built your life on money at that point, it is not going to stand. If you have built your life on success at that point... It is not going to stand. If you have built your life on accomplishments and positions and some kind of power and influence, it will not stand when you get that call about that diagnosis, when you get that call about your investments having been wiped out, when you get that call about somebody having unjustly treated you and you, you missed this opportunity, you miss this thing that you deserved. You won't be able to stand. And God says, but I want to root and ground you so that as you stand in the midst of all the storms that life can hurl, people will sit up, take notice, and go, how can He stand during that kind of time? I want to know the God that He knows. And then finally, He says, according to His riches, according to His power, according to His abilities, He's going to fill you with the fullness of, of God. Now, just kind of let your imagination wrap around that for a moment. What would it be like for a life to be filled with God? You see, I, I come from a pretty screwed up, dysfunctional kind of family. People are always a little surprised at that. You find out you've been in ministry for all these years and you've been a Christian all these years. And, and yet, I come from a family that Nobody were followers of Christ. Nobody had meaningful engagement with Christ. All of my parents' generation, you know, the aunts and uncles and the extended families, none of them had a meaningful connection with Christ. All of my generation, cousins and extended families, none of them had a meaningful experience with Christ. None of my children's generation, my nephews and nieces and things like that, have a meaningful connection with Christ, except for my children. And so when you begin to do kind of the logical look at that there is absolutely no good reason in this world for me to know God, to have a meaningful connection with Christ, for my life having been transformed, for me to be rooted and grounded in God. There's absolutely no good reason for that except for He has pursued me and pursued me. Literally to the point one day a guy knocks on my door and says, "I, I want to talk to you about Christ. And I said, I want to know. I'm in. I want to be there. And from that day to this, almost 40 years, I have known God in a very personal way as my Lord. I've known Him as my Savior. I've known Him as my Father. I've known Him as my Counselor. I've known Him as my Comforter. I've known Him as a friend and companion. I've had opportunity to just be filled with Him. And Paul says, I'm praying for you. Because that's what God wants to do in each and every one of you. And because of that he just breaks out into a doxology and just praises God. Now the fullness of God is not what we always think it might be. It's not a life of ease and insulation from pain. There are a lot of blessings like I just described. I could tell you about Jack. Jack lives in Texas. Jack made a lot of money, became a multimillionaire, gave millions to the cause of Christ. Faithful follower of Christ. His investments went south a few years ago. He lost all of his fortune. And his testimony is it's the best thing that ever happened to me. Because, you see, I found out God is of greater value than wealth. What a discovery. Or I can tell you about Joe, who lives in Missouri. He's the director of a large, major Christian camp there. He's followed Christ faithfully for years. He's been involved in ministering to people faithfully for years. One day, he's doing a little workout. Somebody notices on the back of his leg this huge bruise. He goes and has it looked at by a doctor. And they go, man, i got bad news for you. You've got a very aggressive, advanced kind of leukemia. The clock is ticking. You won't have very long. And Joe's testimony is that is the best thing that ever happened to me because he discovered that God is of greater value than health. See, when you become full of Him, you find out that everything else pales in comparison to the goodness and the greatness and the glory of God And He makes Himself available to you to know and to experience and to do life with in that kind of way. So, I just want to ask you a couple of questions. Because it's kind of a decision thing for you. When you hear something like this, what do you do with that? How do you respond to that? And I I want to make a a few suggestions to you. I I want to ask you, will you receive Jesus' saving work in you? As Paul was praying... Uh, that God would just come inside of you and begin to transform your inner person. If you are stirred about that right now, if that's making sense to you, that is God's Spirit at work in you. That is God having a divine appointment with you right now. You may have come here because... Someone uh, dragged you here. You may have come because you wanted to hear some songs. You may have come because it's kind of a habit and a religious thing. You may have just wandered in. We have people that just see the signboard and they, they wander in. None of that is accidental. God knew that you would be here and it's a divine appointment. And if you're stirred about that in any kind of way, then friend, He is inviting you right now to put your faith in Christ to have Christ move in and to change your life forever. Would you be transformed? Inviting him in and being transformed. It's not it's not a matter of religion and I'm just going to start working as best I know how to work so that I can be a better person. That's not what we're talking about at all. It's all about relationship. And out of my knowing him and having a relationship with him and him being inside of me, he transforms me. Would you be rooted grounded. You're not going to build your life on any other stuff. Money, positions, uh, titles, power. It's just going to be rooted and grounded in Christ. Resulting in you being full. Having a full abundant life of God. Now Paul prayed for his friends in the church in Ephesus 2,000 years ago. I want to pray for you right now. Would you bow with me? So Father, you knew who would be here today. You had a divine appointment with some of these. What we've been talking about has been making sense and has been stirring their heart. And I pray that by your power, by the riches of your glory, you'd forgive them of sin and save them from being separated from you. And transform and root and fill their lives. In Jesus' name, amen.